With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Watchmen on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchmen on the wall. Listen to the watchmen on the wall. Listen to the watchmen on the wall. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It is Tuesday, and in the Ark in northwest Arkansas, we have a cloudy, rainy day, which is beautiful, by the way. It is the season of December, and we have been uh, really shocked by the weather forecast, 70 degrees. It's been in the 60s. So far, so good. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. We've got quite a Bible study for you today, and for those of you who begin and end with us, I believe that there is a special pearl of great price ready to be revealed to you uh, for your deeper consideration for the times that we are living in. And we're going to give all the glory to God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. We love it. And so we're just going to go with the flow. We're going to go with what we're hearing and seeing, and we're going to be very careful about what we say Uh, In the name of the Lord, I know that uh, very, very strong impressions come to us, uh, all of us, every once in a while. And, you know, we follow those impressions and we are led by them. And, you know, sometimes they lead into an an awesome, glorious place. And sometimes they kind of fade away. The path kind of just kind of drizzles away. 
but that's not the case today. We are following something that we have been listening to and we've been hearing, and it just seems that everything, again, is lining up, and we need to take special heed to what we're hearing. So um, I think what I'd like to do is, first of all, rejoice that yesterday up on the ark, we were uh, honored to witness the baptism of four men, four of God's sons were baptized yesterday. The first man was a, a Jewish man by the name of Paul, and Paul uh, is a Messianic believer. He loves the Lord. He loves Yahshua, and he was baptized, and he was baptized by our deacon uh, in our fellowship, uh, Michael. And his wife was present, but this Jewish man had asked Michael, would you please baptize me? So Michael went out, he got the big baptismal trough, he set it all up, we had it there, and he, his first baptism, baptized this Jewish man, Paul. And now he's baptized into the body of Yeshua, in the body of Christ, and we went into all the detail, and Michael did an amazing job, our deacon Michael and his wife did an amazing job. And after Paul's baptism, another man was sitting there by the name of Paul. And uh, this Paul had mentioned he wanted to be baptized. And so uh, the, 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 the mantle kind of shifted to me because uh, these are men in our fellowship. And so Paul, uh, who was basically, we would, it was so funny that we had a Jewish man and then a Gentile man. And so we had the baptism of two Pauls, one a Jew, one a Gentile. And that was a beautiful baptism as well. And then uh, there was an encouragement of one of the brothers who had served the Lord, but had just kind of come to that moment in his life and said, you know, I, I just, I need this to really be genuine. I need this to be clear. So a third brother came in and got baptized. And then a fourth brother came in and got baptized. We had two Pauls, two Michaels. And it was absolutely phenomenal what God did yesterday. Afterwards, we went out with uh, our deacons and had a meal with them. And we were just all, we were just bathing, basking in the glory of God. Because after the baptisms, we sat down with uh, our brother Paul and the other Paul. We had our two Pauls with us. And we sat down for at least an hour and a half. And we were just breaking bread, fellowshipping up on the ark in the heart center where, where the gatherings take place and it's just fellowship hall, if you will. And we just had an amazing time. We talked about all kinds of things and it was just an overflow. And it was so rich in the spirit, it was absolutely amazing. And we just felt, we're just coming off the flow of it, man. We're just coming off it today and uh, we just wanna rejoice in what God did. And it's interesting I know that, you know, in, in, in thought, in tradition maybe, in, you know, what's allowed and what's not allowed, you know, you're only allowed to be baptized once, that's all you need. Man, I, you know, I was baptized eight times, eight times. And uh, the eighth time, the new beginnings time, man, it stuck. <laughs> but along the way in my Christian journey, you know, I had such a difficult time you know, in those first years of my walk with the Lord, because I had so many generational curses. I had great addictions. I mean, great in a bad sense, 
horrible addictions that had to be overcome. They were bloodline curses and addictions from my bloodline. And uh, my sister and I had been visited with these. And, you know, and coming out of that, it really required the power of God. There's no doubt about it. But thank God the ministry that I went into was a deliverance ministry. And it took years to really get through it. And during those years of my ups and downs, my ins and outs, my uh, you know, just the, the, the insanity of working out that earlier salvation, you know, getting things where you could get stabilized. Oh, uh, yeah, I was baptized seven times. And then the eighth time, uh, it really did stick. And within the context of that eighth baptism, which is going back 30 years ago now, uh, just about 30 years ago, and that eighth time was in the, within that context is when I was ordained by the elders of our church after my pastor passed away to become the pastor of the church, and I've been running ever since, and it's just been glorious, but to see other people wanting to step up going, you know what, my heart is dry, Uh, you know, I'm not doing this out of legalism, I'm not saying that it didn't work before, I'm not saying that I'm not born again, it's just the washing. Now, we know that the washing of the water of the Word of God is intrinsic to our salvation, that's what we go through every day when we wash ourselves in baptism with the Word of God. Uh, our soul, our conscience, stay in the word. It washes us clean. Uh, but there are those moments where people are just going, you know what? I want to be baptized again. And I, I'm beginning to sense in what I saw yesterday that all these men knew Yeshua. They knew Jesus. They had been baptized before, I think. I'm not so sure that Paul, that our Jewish friend, was or not. But uh, they were all baptized. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, I'm doing something right now. You know, I'm reviving. I, there's a rededication. There's something that's happening in, in the people of God that just want something fresh from the Lord. And, you know, God's not going to say, oh, you got baptized twice, so you're out of the kingdom. That's not going to happen. I get baptized every time I take a shower, for goodness sake. So anyways, uh, this was a glorious day. And uh, today, I just want to get into some really deep territory because some phenomenal things are happening, and they are biblical things, and we want to line them up, and we want to bring the truth. So good morning to everybody right now that's on Blog Talk Radio. Hopefully, we're coming through loud and clear on Omega Radio and Blog Talk Radio. And so if you are uh, not hearing us on Omega Radio, in other words, if you go to Omega Radio right now and put Listen Live, Uh, You should hear us coming through on Blog Talk Radio. And if you go to omegaradio.org and click on Watch Live, you should be getting a full video stream as well as audio. Uh, But we are also broadcasting on Facebook. As you know, we got kicked off of YouTube because we talked about the vaccinations. And so whether or not they're going to allow us to come back on or not, I don't know. But our gathering place, for anybody that wants to know, We'll always be now on Omega Radio. As long as we're on Facebook, so be it. But as long as we're, uh, when that is over, you'll be able to find us on OmegaRadio.org. And so this is a good time to test it out. And if you happen to be by a computer and you go to OmegaRadio.org, OmegaRadio.org, and uh, click the Watch Live uh, or the Listen Live, let me know if if we're coming through loud and clear. I would really appreciate that just because that's where we are going. So how do we begin to address this moment? And the only right thing to do is tell you how um, how the word of God has been working in our lives. 
we've been on this amazing journey. Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, you know, Christmas was on Saturday, right? And by the way, Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope you had a great celebration with family and friends. So Saturday was Christmas Day. Now, Patricia and I, <clears throat> we have some things we do every single day when we wake up in the morning. One of the things that we do every single day is we read a chapter most of the time, unless it's a long chapter or we just run out of time for some reason. But predominantly, we read a chapter in the Bible every morning before we begin our day, along with a few other things that we do. And it was interesting because our, our last, we started in Matthew chapter 8 several months ago, and we've been going through Matthew 8. We went through the entire book of Mark, and now we were in the book of Luke. And on Saturday morning, in alignment, without trying to work it out or rehearse it in our heads, of course, we, oh, we had, it was our time to read Luke chapter 2. And it literally said, on this day, Christ was uh, unto you, a child, uh, a, son, a child is born, a son is given this day in the city of Bethlehem. And it just so happened on Christmas Day, Saturday, we're reading that part of scripture. So I share with the church in a humorous way that, you know, some people think he was born in tabernacles, some in the spring in the lambing season. Well, we were here and it said this day. So we were fine with all that. But it was interesting that the birth of Christ on Christmas Day in our studying of Scripture, what was really interesting is that Monday morning, yesterday, we were in chapter 3. Because, you know, chapter 2 is a rather long chapter, so we cut it up in two. And so yesterday we were in chapter 3, and Luke chapter 3 is John came baptizing in the wilderness. And it was yesterday that we had four baptisms, right? I mean, I thought that was really cool. And then today, we're going to get into something that was happening today as well. So, you know, that's just our personal journey, and we see things around it. And it doesn't really mean anything probably to a lot of people, but it's interesting how the Word of God, you're kind of in a flow, you're on track, and you're seeing the things you're reading that are happening. It's pretty amazing. We love that. That's prophetic, in my opinion. So, at least partially. So... How do, I, how do I start this? I don't know if you had an opportunity to view our services this last weekend on Saturday and on Sunday. Well, on Sunday, I, you know, am, am flowing with, a, you know, this, this word, okay? And, man, am I, I, I'm so razor's edge in my thinking about calling it a prophetic word, but it certainly does absolutely resonate and appear in my spirit that this was a word from the Lord, and I've shared it before, and I'm going to walk through it again today in light of some other things that have just been revealed, okay? So Saturday and Sunday, I brought up, and I don't know which day I did it, maybe both, that we are coming into the year 2022. And one thing we do at New Wine Ministries for years is on New Year's Eve, we have a gathering, and during our gathering, we invite the body of Christ to come, and we invite people to come and join us. We have a celebration on New Year's Eve, but the main event for us is when the body of Christ, certain individuals, whoever they are, who have pressed in, who have heard a word, maybe a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a revelation, um, there's something of a prophetic utterance, something God has revealed to them that's going to be showing up in the year 2022, 
And it's supernaturally miraculous that inevitably, with all the different people that shared, last year I think we had 15 to 20 people got up with a word from the Lord. And, it, and it's almost like reading a book of the future. It's like God sets the stage, and he does that for the church. That's what the gift of the Holy Spirit is for, so that we can have this understanding of the things that are coming and be watching, and sure enough, they show up. So this Friday, we're going to be talking again. We're going to gather at 8 o'clock. There's going to be a gathering. People are going to be sharing the word of God, and we're going to put it all together. And you know, the Lord said this from this person, something from here, something over here. And you put it all together, and it's kind of like, a, all right, a roadmap. Here's, what, here's what's coming. So it's already starting to flow in my spirit because it happened on December 11th is when I was at 7.30 in the morning driving, and I heard the Holy Spirit say something in my heart. I got a download from it. Later on that day, I wrote out as I explored deeper what I heard. I wrote it out, and I shared it with the church. And it's interesting how things have been transpiring since that time. And I'll share with you in just a moment if you haven't heard what that is. I was sharing this past weekend, the year 2022. And I knew in my spirit, because I don't believe God is offended by numbers. He has a book called Numbers. And my recollection of numbers is that one in Bible, in Bible prophecy, the number one stands for unity. Number two is for witness. Number three is the Trinity. Number four is the Northeast, Southwest. It's the four corners of the earth, the compass, if you will. Number five is the grace of God. Number six is the number of man. Number seven is the number of completion. Uh, Number eight is new beginnings. Number nine is fullness, like a woman who's pregnant and produces the fruit of a new creation. Uh, Number 10 is a number of redemption. Be thou faithful unto death. The devil will throw some of you in a prison for 10 days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. So 10 is a number. uh, When uh, Abigail's husband was coming against David, David was going to kill him, and she said he's not worth it, so he let him go. 10 days later, he died and was released from that insult. So 10 is a number of redemption, a a loosening kind of a, and that's what the word redemption means, to loosen, to let go, right? So we know that number 11 in Bible prophecy or in the Bible is judgment, chaos, confusion, uproar. You know, it's a a negative number in many ways uh, against anything that's dark or wicked. So number 12 is, to me, government, order, apostolic, you know, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 apostles, the government of God, the rest upon the show, all these things. So I'm good with that. I kind of knew that, and I knew that the number 11 was judgment. I knew it was chaos. I know it was, uh, there's some other definitions to it, because I looked it up, and there's a biblical definition for the number 11. But it gets into that confusion, intensity, you know, these problems, real problems, and that 22 is double 11. So I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying the year 2022, rather than what the world is desiring for everything to come back to normal and peace, I think normal and peace will only be found in the kingdom of God, which is present for anybody that wants to access it right now. But as far as on this natural terra firma, on this earth, in this country, I believe that we're going for a double 11. We're going to see a double judgment, double confusion, double violence, double uh, chaos. We're gonna, it's going to break out. That's what 2022, as I'm thinking about it, appears to be. And so I went into all that this weekend, and I kind of tied that in to the prophetic word that I believe I received in December, on December 11th. And so I'm putting two and two together. Then uh, Sunday, I was doing some studying, and I wanted to know every once in a while, 
I check in to see what time it is on the Hebrew calendar. I've been doing that for a very long time. This is something the Holy Spirit kind of led Patricia and I into doing. So I looked into what month we were in this past weekend and uh, what day we were at. And sure enough, it was so strange that we were in the month Tibet or Tibet, depending on how you say it in the Hebrew. And uh, the word Tibet is in the uh, scriptures in the Old Testament. And it means goodness. Okay, Tibet means goodness. And it's the 10th month. And it was the 22nd day. I think it was Saturday or Sunday, whichever day it was. It was the 22nd day of Tibet. And I thought, there's that number 22 again. Very interesting. But it's in the month of goodness. So I wanted to know when the 11th month, because 11 is the number of judgment. We're coming into the year 2022. And it just happens to turn out that the 11th month, which is used three times in the Bible, it comes up 11th month. Uh, three times from Deuteronomy, Zechariah 1, and there's another in between. I think it's in Chronicles. I'll get it for you in a second. But the 11th month, they called the month Sabbat, S-E-B-A-T. So Sabbat, Sabbat. And it was interesting what the Sabbat means. Now, the third day of January, this just a week from now, whatever it is, on January 3rd, at the setting of the sun, will begin the first day of the 11th month, Sabbat. So what did the month Sabbat mean? What does it mean? So I went in, I took a look. Sabbat means a rod, a rod. And so you can go back to Sunday evening service, and I was preaching on the rod and what the rod represented. There is the rod of the Lord. There's the rod of the wicked, there's the rod of Queen Esther. The word scepter, by the way, the Queen Esther touched the golden scepter, uh, was translated in the Hebrew as the rod of a kingdom. So when the king extended her his scepter and she took hold of the scepter, the rod, it was the rod of his kingdom. So we know that there are rods belonging to kingdoms. We know that shepherds have rods. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Your thy rod and thy staff comforts me. Uh, so we have the shepherd's rod. We have the shepherd, uh, the rod of the wicked. And the story I read on Sunday was about Moses having the rod of the Lord. And, he, and the Lord said, what's that in your hand? It's a rod. Okay, throw it on the ground. It becomes a serpent. Pick it up. It became a rod again. Take that rod. Go to Egypt. Contend with Pharaoh. So the idea is, that uh, the, the, the war of rods representing authority is what's coming in 2022. And I kind of left it with the conflict of kingdoms that was going to come. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. So, so much more to say about the rod of the Lord and the rod of the wicked. And so we're going to have these two contendings. Remember in Moses' day when the magicians threw their rods on the ground? And remember how Moses threw his rod, but his serpent ate up their two serpents? So the, the, the world, the enemy, uh, the trickster, Satan, the schemer, the devil, the Luciferian priesthood, all these magicians out there, they have their supernatural power. They have supernatural satanic power that they work with. There's no doubt about that in the occult. So the magicians have their rods, but God's Moses, God's people have their rod, and their rod becomes more powerful than the the, the, the rod of the world. So I believe that God is saying 2022 is going to be the contending of kingdoms. I get that so loud and clear, which means 
that you, the believer, have to understand what the rod is. And in the definition, the rod means to strike. It, 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 it's a sword. It's a spear. It is the rod of your mouth, the rod in your hand. It's Yeshua is the branch. We went into that. You should go back and look at Sunday service again. Uh, the scriptures tell us in Isaiah chapter 11 that uh, a rod shall come out of the stem of Jesse. A rod shall come out of the stem of Jesse, and he shall be called the branch. Now, we know that Yeshua is the branch. The branch is, the rod is connected to the branch so that the authority that you have and I have is the name Yahshua Jesus, okay, because he is the branch, he is the rod that came out of Jesse. So we can strike the enemy with the rod of our mouth, with the rod of our lips, the word of God, the name of Yahshua Jesus, and this is what's coming. It's a word war, and I believe this with all my heart, so I preached all that Sunday. And now, today. Well, today is an interesting day. And today, uh, remember, Sabbat, the 11th month, will begin January 3rd, the month where the rod, the contending comes. Remember that. Okay. So, as I told you, on Christmas Day, we just happen to be in Luke chapter 2. This day, a son is born. Um, yesterday, we happen to be in the latter part of chapter 3, or in, in the beginning of chapter 3 of Luke. John went forth baptizing. We wound up baptizing four people yesterday. So we have these consistent themes. Well, today, we were reading the story in, the continu- in, in Luke chapter 4, where it talks about Elijah. This is Jesus talking to the people in the synagogue, in the temple, about Elijah and how he was, uh, it was during the time of famine because there was no rain for three and a half years. You'll remember the story. And he talked about Elisha, that he was sent to a leper, and he cleansed the only, a leper, but it was in Syria. He was telling Israel, basically, uh, you're under drought, you're under sin, so I'm sending Elijah to a widow of Zarephath, I think it was, and I'm sending Elisha to a Syrian king, and these these foreigners are going to get the glory of God, but Israel, you're not. Ahab, you're not. Uh, you're under judgment, okay? So we're reading this story and of what Jesus was talking about. And that, of course, we wanted to go and check out the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17. And um, I, I, we could read it, but let me just give you a little background what's happening here. Um, it's time for Ahab and Israel to go under judgment. And the mantle of Elijah spoke. The speaking out of his mouth was that there would be no rain or dew for three years and six months, three and a half years. Does that sound familiar to anybody? So for three and a half years, there'll be no rain. In other words, he was speaking and calling forth a drought. He was speaking to the heavens, to the natural order of things, to the system of things. And he spoke and he put a hold on it. He put a stop on it so that there was no rain or dew for three and a half years. During that time, God was moving his servant 
to a brook, Cherith. He had ravens giving him food and water day and night. And he stayed there for a period of time. And then when the, when the creek dried up, he was wanting to go to uh, Zarephath. There was a widow there that was ready to die, take two sticks, a little cruise of oil, a little handful of meal. And she was saying, listen, I'm going to light this fire and my kids and I, we're going to eat our last meal and be dead. And Elijah comes out with this controversial thought and says, okay, uh, that's fine. But before you take that little meal and before you, um, you know, get those sticks on fire and, and use that little bit of cruise oil, he said, the thing I want you to do is I want you to feed me first. Preposterous, right? He says, I want you to feed me first. I want you to take care of this prophet. I want you to take care of me because here's what the word of the Lord says. And then he prophesies to her, you're not going to have to worry about dying or your last meal because God's going to do an amazing thing in your life. And he's going to cause your barrel of meal to continue on and your cruise of oil will not run dry. And you and your son are going to live and that's the way it's going to be. So go ahead and cook your meal, take care of me, and then God will take care of everything else concerning you. You've probably heard that story before. And sure enough, that very thing happens, and that family eats many days. He has a room upstairs in another place. The woman's son dies. She's, she's afraid. Are you really a man of God? And he takes the boy upstairs, prays over him, cries out to God. The boy's life comes back, presents it to the mother. Now I know that you're a man of God, et cetera, et cetera. Right after that situation, Elijah now is going to meet with Ahab. Three and a half years have passed. And he said, okay, Jezebel's been in power. Um, all these false prophets have been in power, sitting at Jezebel's table while everybody else is suffering. So now it's time to deal with Jezebel. Now it's time to deal with the false prophets. And uh, he, so Obadiah is asked by Ahab, go find somebody, go find some water somewhere so that we don't lose all of our beasts. Three and a half years, no rain, a lot of death going on. And so uh, Obadiah goes his way, and Ahab goes his way, and you know the story. And Obadiah runs into Elijah. Elijah says, hey, Obadiah, oh, my God, it's you, Elijah. And he says, go tell Ahab, I want to talk with him today. And Obadiah goes to this whole thing. Wait a second. I know if I go talk to him, that while I'm away talking to him and he comes, you're going to be disappearing. The Spirit of the Lord is going to take you away. I'm going to be killed. And, and Elijah calms him down, convinces him, just do what I tell you to do. I'm not going to go anywhere. I give you my word. I'm going to meet with him today. The funny thing about that story is Obadiah, okay, this, uh, or, uh, this King Ahab, winds up coming. And on his way, he sees Elijah and he says, oh, it's you who's troubling Israel. So Ahab was accusing Elijah for all the troubles they were having because he knew that he spoke the word and shut up the heavens. And Elijah said back to him, oh, no, I didn't trouble Israel. You did by your blasphemous policies, by your blasphemous legislation, by your Jezebelian adultery and idolatry and your false prophets and your disobeying the commandments of God. You're the problem. Well, anyways, that little exchange takes place, and um, he, uh, Elijah is now asking Ahab, I want you to gather all Israel together. And so uh, he does it. King Ahab gathers all Israel, and he wants all the prophets of Jezebel, 400 and 450. There's 850 false prophets that sit at Jezebel's table and in the grove. 
So they're all there on Mount Carmel, and you know the big battle that happens. <clears throat> all the priests of Jezebel and their gods are <clears throat> cutting themselves, jumping up and down. <clears throat> Elijah <clears throat> mocks them, calls fire down out of heaven. He wins the battle, <clears throat> turns the people back to God in their hearts. He slays the 850 false prophets with a sword in a cave. Obadiah had said he saved 100 of them and fed them with bread and water from Jezebel during those days. And now comes the time where Elijah gets up to the mountain and he puts his head between his knees and he tells his servant, go out and see what's coming. And he looks out and obviously he was looking over the sea. He says, man, there's not a thing happening. There's nothing. There's not a cloud in the sky. And he says, go back seven times. Seven times he went. The Bible says on the seventh time, there's that number. It's finished, complete. On the seventh time, the servant of God saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. So what he saw, a tiny little cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, go get Ahab and tell him to get out of here because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Three and a half years, no rain, no joy, no glory. Three and a half years. Death, drought, famine. Today, Elijah said, after three and one half years, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. At New Wine Ministry, the thing that we're always seeking God for is for the sound. We want to hear the sound. The sound. He heard a sound of an abundance of rain. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> while the servant went to talk to Ahab and tell him a storm is coming, it says the, the, the heavens grew black with wind and thunder and lightning. Elijah got down off the mountain and started running. Ahab got in his chariot and is getting to Jezreel because this massive storm is coming and it's pouring. And the Spirit of the Lord is on Elijah and he runs before the chariot, and he runs to Jezreel himself. He's going to a place. Now the rain comes. Here's what is truly spectacular is that this now, after the drought, now comes this glory of God. Israel, you have sinned. At the word of the Lord, there'll be no rain. At the end of three and a half years, there'll be rain. This is the contending. This is the time of war. In the book of Revelation, there are two witnesses that do the same exact thing. You'll remember in Revelation chapter 11, and I'll just pick it up. And you may want to read this story, by the way, um, out of Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was talking about Elijah. And then the story I just read out of 1 Kings 17 and 18. You may want to read that. But this contending of kingdoms. Revelation chapter 11, <clears throat> this is like end time stuff now. 
you know, and, and, and what is in the beginning shall be at the end. The end is revealed from the beginning. So at the beginning, we see this event with the Elijah mantle and the mosaic mantle. Well, in Revelation 11, 4, it says, These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. That's what Moses did with the rod in his hand. Moses struck the Egyptian empire as often as God revealed to him, as often as he will, ten times. He struck that empire with his rod, right? And then <clears throat> there was Elijah with the rod of his mouth who spoke, and there was no rain. January 3rd, in my understanding, we'll see how the Lord moves in this. It will be time for those who carry the anointing, the Rod, the authority, the word of God in their hearts, that they will come out of their mouth and begin to speak to this nation, not revival. Oh, no. This is not a time of revival. And the tricksters, the Ahabs of our generation, the Jezebels of our generation that think they're in so much control, some form of supernatural disaster is going to seriously hamper their plans. There's something coming, and it's going to wreck the American empire, who, like Ahab and Israel, not talking about foreign nations now, I'm talking about the last bastion of freedom right here in America. Some of you probably don't like to hear this, but it's true. I believe it's going to prove itself to be true. This nation has sinned so grossly against God Almighty. But the church has been so in bed with the world and so compromised and so lukewarm that they haven't had anything to say about it. They didn't have anything to say when men started marrying men and women were marrying women. They didn't have much to say when abortions were being shed. A few people had some signs to an abortion clinic. Oh, don't do that. The church, the most powerful institution, if you want to call it that, on this North American continent, shut its mouth. And did not contend with these powers, going all the way back to the 1960s. Now we're here where we are. And God's going to have to raise up a voice. And what the church has not been doing is pronouncing judgment on a nation that has sinned grossly against God, but has been blessing it. Hoping that it turns around and doing all of these things. That's not the true pattern of Scripture. So beginning in January, I believe that God is going to bring out of the woodworks people that we've never heard of before. I believe the beginning comes now. I believe the beginning of a three and a half year period of time that scripture talks about is, is going to go into an intensified level. And I believe with the word of their mouth, this nation is going to shake. And it has to. Because let me tell you something. With the way that Ahab and Jezebel are running things, their incremental plans, you can't trust the news media. They lie all the time. You cannot believe what they have to say. So 
they're setting this thing up where people are going to get caught in a trap and they're not going to be able to do anything. And I hear the spirit of the Lord saying, step outside of that trap, come out of Babylon, come out of this moment and stand upon your mountain and stand upon your platform and stand upon wherever you are and begin to speak, begin to exercise the authority of the rod that is in your hand. And again, if you want to know more about the rod and that anointing, go back to Sunday, go to Facebook, Go to Sunday's evening service. We talk all about it. There's a lot more to say about it. But what I'm getting at is that after preaching this on Saturday and Sunday, and then, of course, being in the scriptures we're in with the baptism of John, well, today was the day about this story with Elijah contending with Jezebel and her prophets, the contending of kingdoms, which is exactly what we left our sermon with on Sunday. What is that? To me, that's a confirmation. To me, that's God saying, church, rise up and contend with the word of your mouth and speak what needs to be said to the system of things. Speak to the disruption. Speak to the chaos, the confusion upon the Egyptian empire, upon Israel. America today used to be known as a Judeo-Christian nation. Today it's called Babylon, for goodness sake. Speak to it. Confuse their languages again. Bring the drought. God will take care of his prophets. Whether you do it or not is between you and God. But it's going to come to pass. It's going to be done may not be done on a radio podcast. It may not be done for show, because this is no show in that sense. Although, I like Elijah. He says, I want you to bring everybody together. And you bring all those Jezebelian prophets. You bring all Israel together that's so under a spell, they couldn't even answer him a word. They don't have a clue what's going on in the church. The church is so blinded right now. But God's not against it. He's trying to send prophets to wake it up. And you know what 2022 is? Or 5782 that will actually begin on April 2nd? 5782 is open the eyes, an awakening. Wake up. Open your eyes. I believe the prophetic moment is for the Elijah anointing to come back into the ecclesia to awaken the church to the reality of what God is doing right now. Listen, I know this sounds like such a small, condensed, biblical you know, minute, little, tiny thing. We got the whole world going on. You know, we got uh, global governments right now moving. We've got, uh, we got people that are doing amazing things everywhere. They got forward motion. Not, what's going to stop them? There's an event coming. Something is good to throw a wrench into the spokes. Something is going to happen, like to Ahab and Jezebel, that were in full control doing what they were doing, something's going to happen where this is going to stop. And we're going into a period of time. And I don't know if this three and a half years is the great tribulation, which I know we've been marching towards for a long time. I don't know if this is just a condensed period of time um, that, like for a year or whatever, or, or we're in it, or it's already begun. I don't, it's a, just something of a significant advancement in the acceleration in a new phase. Because we've gone through many phases of judgment. But something 
and the word is lining up, what we're hearing is lining up, what we're seeing is lining up. And the really cool part about what I'm saying, if you're listening, if you're on the right side of this day, you don't have to be afraid. If you're going to wake up like Elijah came to wake up Israel, the people of Israel on Mount Carmel, they, they were so spellbound, they, they didn't have a word to say, remember? But if God is coming to bring a mantle, an Elijah anointing uh, to the church in America, to the church globally, but if this Elijah mantle is coming, we can expect a season of signs and wonders, a season of miracles. God told Moses, take your rod and, uh, you know, turn it into a serpent and then put your hand in your, in, your, in your bosom and take it out and it'll be white like leprosy. And it was, and he put it back in, it was normal. And if that doesn't work, take some water from the river, put it on dry land, it'll turn to blood. You know, he says, I'm going to give you the ability for signs so that they will believe. Who will believe? The Egyptians? No. So that God's people will believe. And it's unfortunate that there are a lot of Christians today that are living in unbelief. And they don't really know what time it is. They're not understanding. They're not considering. That's not a criticism. It's an observation. Okay? And they're stuck under the Jezebelian Ahab control. They are staunchly stuck in it. You know what I mean? And so God is wanting to bring something to wake them up and to wake them out of this delusion. This is the mercy of God. But where is this anointing going to come from? Where is this Elijah anointing coming from? We know that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. And Jesus said, this is Elijah. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Well, if that happened at the beginning, it's going to happen at the end. There's got to be an Elijah anointing, a prophetic mantle, a real one, a real one that will be accompanied by signs and wonders to bring God's people back to their senses to wake up, and that's all kind of in the timing of everything. Now is the time for an Elijah to show up on this earth, and I don't think it's going to be one man. I believe there is an Elijah anointing in many vessels. It's my personal belief. And I do believe there will be a demonstration of Moses going to Egypt. And I want you to notice something about Moses. He went into Egypt and took that kingdom down before there was ever a Mosaic law. So we're not talking about the lawgiver. That came after. We're talking about an anointing and a rod in the hand of Moses that took down a nation. Elijah, Moses. They seem to be the ones in Revelation 11. Same thing that it says these two prophets will do is done. Now, are the two prophets singular? We've all talked about that, right? I just hear God calling to someone, shouting to someone. I mean, it's going to happen. And there has to be a platform for it. Uh, YouTube is anybody that says anything that's not right, they just take them off the air. But that's not going to assist them. The world will not be protected by YouTube saying, you're not allowed to talk. And if Facebook says you're not allowed to talk or anybody else, it's going to happen. It may happen in the open airways. It may happen on the streets of the, of the cities of America. Like that one gentleman we saw right before COVID-19, Romerica repents, right? Uh, we've seen that before. And it may be that the Elijahs are coming out of their caves. They're coming out of uh, Zarephath, if you will. 
They're coming out of their little places, and God is going to call for an Elijah anointing. And the Elijah anointing is going to come really, and it may come through an ass, a donkey. It may come through a man. It may come through a woman. It may come through a young man, a young woman, a child. We don't know, but there's coming an anointing to contend with nations, and this nation is going to be contended with. The blasphemy out of the United States of America, that is going to be contended with big time, and America is going to lose this battle because God has people representing his kingdom that love him that are not about saving up blasphemous America so everybody can live a nice life. No, there's going to be a shaking, and in that shaking, there will be much death. Oh, yes. You go back and you study that time of famine, drought, a lot of people died. A lot of people. That's not the joy of a prophet's heart at all. It's just a fact it's coming. It's coming. And it cannot be forced. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I just feel that there's a very mature mantle ready to rise. Those who have been worked upon, who have exercised their gifting, those who have cultivated the anointing, those who have been faithful to God, who have been set apart, not one foot in, one foot out. They have given themselves completely to the purpose of God. They, are, they have been humbled and realized there's nothing in them personally of any significance or value. They have just been emptied out of all self-ability and realize that the only way anything will ever get done in this manner would have to be the spirit of the living God. Is that you? Is that you? Do you know the Bible says that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet to have ever lived? Why? Because he came in the spirit of Elijah, but he also came to prepare the way of the Lord. He had a superior anointing than Elijah in that he was the one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. So John the Baptist, who was the spirit of Elijah, was the greatest prophet, and yet the Bible says he was least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. What? Man, there isn't anybody more least than us, right? I mean, we're the least of the least. Come on, the Apostle Paul said he was the least of all of them. But the grace of God was working in him. Cannot the grace of God work in you? And cannot the grace of God form an anointing in you? To form something in you that has the Father's heart wrapped up in it? It says to Jezebel and Ahab in our generation, your time is over. Doesn't he have that power? Can he, can he create that anointing in you? Willing vessel? How do you become a willing vessel? Well, let me just read it to you. The only way you could even be considered or qualified to be such a vessel of God in this hour is what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 20. Listen carefully. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth. Some to honor, some to dishonor. Listen carefully. Verse 21, 2 Timothy chapter 2. If a man therefore purge himself from these, the wood and the earth, the, 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 the chaff of his life, he shall be a vessel unto honor. A vessel sanctified and meet 
or useful for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. The only way one will ever qualify for this calling is to have allowed this to happen. I mean, man, it, it, just, it just is an internal purging, and if a man will purge himself. In other words, if you take the initiative to take the tools of the kingdom, the blood of Christ, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, the word of God, you, you take what God has already done through Jesus Christ, and you employ it and apply it to getting your own heart cleaned up, you become a vessel that's useful to the master. He can now use you, work through you, and do ex- exploits in and through you. It's how you qualify. Go what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, I'm telling you, talking to you about promises right now. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If the church is not willing to perfect itself, if the church is not willing to cleanse itself from all filthiness of flesh and spirit perfecting holiness, it can't be useful to God. But notice in Corinthians and in Timothy, you purge yourself. You cleanse yourself. Christ has already done what needs to be done and hands us the tools. And what we do with the work of Christ on the cross in our soul, in our mind, in our spirit, in our lives, determines what we become. Oh, waiting for Jesus to do something. He's already done it. You already have the blood. You already have mercy. You already have forgiveness. So you have to war against condemnation, guilt, shame, reproach. You've got to fight against that, and you have to stand up in the justification of Christ and become who God called you to be. Not religious works. This is taking what Christ has done and employing it, applying it to your flesh, to devils, to the demon, to the world, to everything that comes against your life. You've got to fight against it. You've got to cleanse. You have to give no te- no territory to the devil. You get no ground. He gets nothing. There's not one area that you're giving the devil opportunity to operate in. You have confessed all sin. You have repented of all sin. You confess everything. You wash, you cleanse, you continue on. You live in a world. You need the armor every day. You need to walk every day. But you can walk in peace, and you can walk in rest, and you can walk in joy, and you can walk in love. And I'm telling you, the the vessels of mercy, the vessels of honor are the vessels wherein the love of God has been most profound, where the love of Jesus Christ has integrated with their spirit and the love of Christ is manifesting in their soul. If the world empire is trying to integrate your physical brain with those phones, well, the spirit of the Lord is wanting to integrate with your spirit so that there's a merging together as one. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Folks, I'm telling you, we're coming to a showdown. And a lot of Christians are going to be hanging out under the delusion. They don't know what to say or do. But there's got to be the rising up of an Elijah anointing, an Elijah mantle. And I don't know the timing. I I honestly can't sit here and say, well, it fits this way. I don't know how it fits. All I know is that this is going to be done. This is going to be done. Promotion comes from the Lord. And I believe some of you out there who have been laboring 
to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, your promotion time is coming. See, I know that there are two sides to this day, and I know as dark as it is, is as light as it is. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon and within you. So it's a, it's a double-sided day. It's a day of gross darkness and a day of glorious light. You have to choose what side of the day you're on, because the gray zone is going to get wiped out. Many, multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision. Get out of the valley of decision. Make a choice. Get off that mountain of wonderment. I said, this way or that way. Serve the Lord with your whole heart. If God be God, then serve him. If Baal be God, then serve him. Get out of the middle. You'll get vomited out of the mouth of Almighty God. So, it's your time, church. It's your time. If one person is hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today, if one of you dares to believe, one of you, it was worth it, that you would actually be a voice that would speak into this atmosphere and you would bring this nation to its knees until it turns to the God or is totally destroyed like ancient empires before it. And we're living in it. And it's going to go global. There's no doubt about this time we're in. It's accelerating. So what sign could we look for to say, well, I don't believe that? Because Moses actually told God that in Exodus chapter 4. He said, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe a word I say. And that's why God said, okay, well, put your hand in there. Turn your rod into this. I'll give you some, I'll I'll get you to do some tricks. And then the magicians, they're going to do tricks, but my tricks will be better. It's it's an anointing. It's power, signs, wonders. Now, in the last days, what do we know? That the devil, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, is going to come with lying signs and wonders. In 2 Thessalonians 2, that's what he does, lying signs and wonders. And in Revelation chapter 13, the second beast does what? He causes fire to come down out of heaven and has lying signs and wonders to deceive the people on the earth. So the devil is coming with lying signs and wonders through artificial intelligence, maybe supernatural, satanic power, whatever. There's got to be a contest. There's got to be the true signs and wonders of God. And I believe he's going to send them to the ecclesia to show the power of God so that the people will believe, like in the days of Moses. This is so that my people will believe what you're doing. And in the days of Elijah, signs and wonders to turn the people of God back to God. So it's time. (laughs) It's time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. You could be in the middle, and I guarantee you if you're in the middle ground, one foot in, one foot out, I'm not sure if you're still there, you're terrified. You have fear so deep in your heart. You are so anxious. You, you, you're dealing with things. You know you're not ready. You know you're not prepared because you never made a decision which way to go. And all I'm telling you is it's time right now to make a decision. Either give God everything or don't give him anything at all. He doesn't receive a 99.999% offering. I guarantee you that. He's only looking for 100%. Either you're going to give all or you're not going to give. You just won't be useful to him. What does it mean to give all? Hey, man, I, I give everything to my father. He gave all for me. I give him my life. Everything in my life. Everything is yours. Whatever you want, here it is. He's calling us out unto himself. The Egyptian empire had a bunch of Israelis in it. God called them out unto himself. 
in the wilderness. The book of Revelation says there's a lady going into the wilderness for three and a half years, calling her out of Babylon, out of Egypt, out of a city, coming out. She's going into the wilderness to be with God. There are people coming out. God's calling, come out, come out, come out. You see what's happening. You see what's happening. When you see these things begin to come to pass, flee, get ready. And now we're expecting a season of acceleration, which in this prophecy, I'm going to have to go through it again right now. I want to just see. Um, this is the this is the what I call a prophecy. This is what I believe God revealed. I believe this is what God said. But I also know that there are two sides to every story. Okay, but here's what this word said. There is a beacon light ready to shine. Please hear this. This is so God right now. There is a beacon light ready to shine for a path that leads to a refuge Mm. from the storm. The storm is coming, but there's a beacon light guiding, directing, that leads to a refuge. Okay? The following word was given to me on Saturday, December 11th at approximately 7.30 a.m. You be the judge. The word began with a scene in my mind. First, I saw Joe Biden again. Remember, I saw Joe Biden in a dream 14 months before he became the president. And I saw him in a blue suit and a blue tie, and he won the election. And then 14 months later, he was inaugurated in a blue suit and a blue tie. God showed me Joe Biden in a dream. Well, this on December 11th at 7.30, I was driving, and I saw Joe Biden in my mind, the mind of my spirit, again, and he was surrounded by a few people in somewhat of a dark suit. So they had dark black suits. There were just two or three people around them. There's a few people. There was urgency in the scene, and I knew the urgency was for mandatory vaccination. They were thinking, how do we do this? we got to do this. And and I just kind of knew in my spirit, while I'm seeing this, while I'm driving, and I'm seeing Joe as clear as day, and the people around him clear as day, and there they are. And I knew that they were urgent about getting mandatory vaccination. That's what I knew by the spirit. I then heard these words. I'm driving, and I heard the words. The acceleration of end-time events will come rapidly in 2022. The Spirit said there will be four major shifts in 2022, according to the Gregorian calendar. He spoke to me of the tachometer, the tachometer, which he said was a measurement of speed. So I'm hearing in my spirit this conversation as I'm driving after I just saw what I saw. This is what the Lord is telling me. Four major shifts, 2022. He started talking about the the tachometer, and he said that the first shift would come between January 2022 and March 2022. And again, the 11th month begins, the rod, January 3rd, which we just discovered this past weekend. This is the first quarter of the year. Okay, so that's what I'm hearing. 
He then said the second shift would occur from April 2022, which will bring us to 5782, the awakening. He said that shift will happen between April 2022 through June 2022. After this, he said the third shift would come from July 2022 through September 2022. Then the fourth shift would come from October 2022 through December 2022. So four quarters, four shifts. And each shift, now watch, this, and, and again, this is all going on in my mind, in my spirit, I'm driving, and then the shifts that were spoken of can be likened to a race car, and that's what I was sensing, acceleration, shifting, tachometer, and I knew in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, that the phrase, uh, shortly come to pass, in the Greek is, en tacos, tacos is where we get our tachometer, Okay, so I I knew that was going with the flow here as well. So the shifts that were spoken of can be likened to a race car shifting gears up to high speeds. So I expect this is going to be a high-speed year. The Spirit told me uh, that the Bible spoke of this in the book of Revelation in the first chapter concerning the Greek word in tacos with speed, and that's what en tacos means, with speed. Then I looked up the word tachometer, after hearing what the Spirit was saying, and here is what I found. So what I'm about to share with you is what, after I heard that in the morning, later that afternoon when I was back home, it was strong in my spirit, and I began to explore what God had said to me. So I sat down, and I began to write. And so this is my exploration of what I heard that Saturday morning, December 11th at 7.30 a.m. I looked up the word tachometer. And it's pretty simple for a lot of people. A tachometer is an instrument which measures the working speed of an engine. Now, RPMs, we kind of know what that is, but I never in my mind heard that a tachometer is a measurement of speed. But earlier, God was telling me that it was a measurement of speed. And then I'm looking it up, and what does it mean? A tachometer is literally a speed measurer. I got that in the definition, the speed measurer. Since the Greek root tach means speed, this is all part of the definition I found in my exploration. This is clear in the names of the tachyon. A tachyon is a particle of matter that travels faster than the speed of light. It's so fast that it's impossible to see with any instrument. Then it talked about the tachycardia, a medical condition in which the heart races uncontrollably. And since the speed that an auto tachometer measures is speed of rotation of the crankshaft, the numbers it reports are revolutions per minute, or RPMs. Okay, so that's all the definition, the tachometer. So now let's talk about the four shifts. And here's what, in my exploration, I'm just going to read exactly the way I wrote it, and this is what I see. Shift number one, when is that going to occur? Between January and March. That's 90 days approximately that we're just getting ready to jump into. Within a 90-day concept or a construct of time, mandatory vaccinations. According to what I saw and what I heard, this will be the main concentration during the first quarter of the year mandatory vaccinations. 
you hear some people on the news say, no, we'll never do mandatory vaccinations. We're not going there. And yet they're pushing some mandatory vaccinations. Time will tell. This is going to be a huge first quarter because the reality is, is if we don't see a massive thrust towards mandatory vaccination, well then, this word is speculative. Okay? So I understand, I understand, I understand. It's what I heard, it's what I saw, it's what happened. In my exploration, this is what I believe. I believe that between January, February, and March, we are going to see forced vaccination. It's going to get stronger. And that's all I wrote about that. And then I wrote right around April, which I probably believe right around April 2nd, a new shift will occur that will concentrate on those who refused the mandate to be vaccinated. So beginning in the second shift of 2022, if the first shift is true, that there will become a strong pressure to be vaccinated. But then I also wrote, there will also be within the first shift, January, March, new mandates, some kind of new mandates are going to come out that will assist in securing the ultimate goal, which are forced vaccinations. All right. So between January and the end of March, we should be looking for new mandates, something that's going to cause the ultimate goal for forced vaccinations pressure to be applied. Then what happens in the second shift? Well, um, what I wrote down, number two, persecution. Through April to June, as spring and summer begin to come forth, those who refused the vaccinations will begin to lose their rights and benefits to enjoy societal bliss, i.e., going to a ball game, shopping at the mall, going on vacation, etc. It will begin with soft persecution, but the winds will increase as the days, weeks, and months pass. Now, what, when I was writing this out on December 11th in the afternoon, I parenthesized, as we speak, over 80% of the population in Australia have cooperated with the authorities and have been vaccinated. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I did a list on, you can go back to December 11th, and I actually preached on this, and so you can go back to December 11th in the video on Facebook, and on December 11th, I had written out uh, a chart of nations and the percentage of people that have already been vaccinated, and then that's, uh, you know, not even talking about boosters, okay, so, or, or people that have been vaccinated with at least one booster or two, but there are many more just were vaccinated. So 80% of Australia had already been vaccinated by that time. So the push for vaccinations. By the way, let me just say this. Our brother, Daniel Seckham, who lives in Australia, I was just led yesterday in this phenomenal day we were having with baptisms and enjoying company and fellowship and breaking bread. We were so soaring in the spirit. It was amazing. And the Holy Spirit led me to just reach out to Daniel. I hadn't done it for a long time. 
And I wrote something as simple as, Daniel, how are you doing? Well, he wrote me back and he said, we're doing good. I'm so thankful that me and my family did not take the vaccination. Even though I lost my $100,000 a year job, uh, you know, um, because he refused it, he says, but I believe it's going to be the right thing to do. He said, would you pray for me so that, uh, you know, I, I found a new job doing software and I got a contract uh, to be able to do some computer work, but I won't see any money until things start going. And he said, would you pray for me for some financial blessing? And uh, I was with a brother and the brother said, how much does he need? And I, so I asked him, he says it was uh, 820 AUs. Australian money, I guess. And I said, well, how much is that in American dollars? And he gave me the, the number. Bottom line is between the offerings that come in New Wine Ministries, uh, people give offerings. So we set them aside for people that have needs, whether it's buying them a place to live in a motor home or paying bills or whatever. Well, we were able to take money out of the offering of New Wine Ministries and send it. And my other brother, he also connected with it. So we sent to Daniel a thousand dollars okay from their money from the offerings of the church we're not boasting in ourselves and our and my brother who I'm not mentioning names so we were able to send a thousand dollars to Daniel and he said 30 minutes before you texted me to ask how I was doing I was in the shower praying because I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills on Friday and then when the money was sent yesterday he came back he says I can't believe how good God is my, the money you sent will be in my account on Friday, the very day I have to pay my bills. Why am I telling you that? Here's a man that was suffering for doing what is right, but God supplied his need. In the midst of 80% of his countrymen getting vaccinated. And God knew what he needed at that moment. I'm telling you. When you're on assignment, God will provide the needs. If he never would have said anything, we wouldn't have known. Ladies and gentlemen, the few of you that may be listening today before I go on, let me go on. So that happened. So this is what we see coming in the second shift, the second shift. <clears throat> with this mild persecution, people not being able to do what they like to do. Let's see if that happens from April through June. The third shift, as I wrote it down, was stigmatization. July through September, that's what we want to watch for, will pave the way for stigmatization. Stigma, stigmatized, right? The definition of a stigma is a mark of shame or discredit. So, it's also a stain, also an identifying mark. A stigma is an identifying mark or characteristic. The characteristic being one who cooperates or who does not cooperate. If you don't cooperate with the vaccinations, you're going to get a stigma. You're going to be marked as a revolter, a rebel, a resistor. Further, a stigma is a degrading and debasing attitude. 
a degrading and debasing attitude of the society that discredits a person or a group because of an attribute, such as an illness, a deformity, their color, nationality, religion, or not being vaccinated. The resulting coping behavior of the affected person or group results in internalized stigma. Let me just put it in plain language, okay? And I think this is pretty plain. Because there are going to be those resisting the pressure from January through March, they're going to begin to lose their rights from April through June, but then will come in September or July through September this stigma. They're the propag- Watch how it's going to work. So it's going to be forced, and it's going to be a degrading. It's going to be a um, <clears throat> discrediting and putting shame on people. Anti-vaxxers will be shamed, shamed, discredited. They're going to be set apart in society like, like you know where we're going. The Jewish people had to wear that yellow star. Watch this. It goes on to say that once the person gets that internal stigmatization by the society, they're now looking down on them really bad. Now they got to cope with it internally, personally. All right. The resulting uh, coping behavior of an affected person or group will result in internalized stigma. This perceived or internalized stigma by the discredited person or people is equally destructive whether or not actual discrimination occurs. So even if they don't actually persecute you in the strongest language, the stigmatization inwardly is, so, is as destructive even as though they were because they're being put to shame and a person feeling the shame of the society that is against them. That's why belonging to Jesus is huge, right? The definition went on to say, stigma destroys a person's dignity, marginalizes the affected individuals, violates basic human rights, markedly diminishes the chances of a stigmatized person of achieving full potential, and seriously hampers pursuit of happiness even constitutional rights, and contentment. Also, according to the Webster's New World Dictionary, the short definition of stigma is a mark of disgrace or reproach. So the mark of the beast and the people that take will be a favorable mark to the people that will do what they ask them to do, whether it's a vaccination or whatever it is. It will distinguish them. The the mark against, the stigmatization against those who refuse the mark of the beast, just kind of reverse it, okay? Your behavior, you're disgraced, you're bad because you're not cooperating and allowing, okay, for a mark that benefits the satanic kingdom. So how are they going to do this? An An interesting truth concerning stigma, as I was writing, just remembering things, is that it is associated with the mark of the beast. We are told in Revelation 13 that the number of the beast is the number of a man's name, and his number is 600, 
which stands for the chi, the C-H-I, 60, which is the X-I, the Z, the number of President Z over there in China. It's right in the number 666. And then the six is a stigma. So you have the chi, Z, stigma. The 600 is the chi. The 60 is the Z, the X-I. The six is stigma in the Greek. Many in the church are going to be demonized. Much of the church is going to be demonized. But unfortunately, many in the church are following the lead of the Franklin Grahams of our day and the Gordon Robertsons of our day. And many church leaders today are telling the church, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Trump supporters are listening to Donald Trump, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Holy Spirit is not bearing that same witness. People are following men rather than listening to the Holy Spirit. Time will tell. But this word says many in the church are going to be demonized by this stigmatization, then dehumanized, dehumanization, treated like animals or worse. All anti-vaxxers will become the target of a propaganda campaign the likes of Nazi Germany. Okay, this is what we're seeing, this is what we're hearing. Anti-vaxxers will be discredited, put to shame, marked by society, while the society receives its mark of the beast, but they'll be marked by society, and then a propaganda campaign is going to arise. Propaganda means information, especially of a biased or misleading nature, used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. So a propaganda campaign is going to come against all anti-vaxxers and Garth S. Jowett and Victoria O'Donnell provide a clear and concise propaganda definition in their book, Propaganda and Persuasion, in 2014. They write, and I quote, Propaganda is the deliberate, systematic method of manipulation, and it's quite a successful one. Propaganda has been employed extensively in the political sphere since the 19th century, to further various agendas by politicians, opposing candidates, and special interest groups. Propaganda is used to highlight the negatives or positives of an idea, a person, or legislation. Hitler used propaganda extensively to promote his anti-Semitic ideas and his vision for Germany in a post-World War I era. Propaganda, a powerful weapon that is about to be used in the third shift coming between July and September. This is what we're hearing. And then finally, the fourth shift, collapse. By October through December 2022, a further collapse will occur in the United States as well in other parts of the world. Now remember, a house divided cannot stand. And with this polarization through propaganda and stigmatization, it widens that gap and the collapse is sure to come. That's the word of God. So what will collapse? A collapse of morality, a collapse of family, a collapse of freedom, a collapse of joy and peace in the nation. The world will become an impossible place for the righteous elect to live in. Even as Lot could not endure the wickedness and corruption in Sodom, 
so shall the elect of God be vexed daily by the filthy, unfair conduct of the wicked world that shall arise. Now, let me speak into that. Every true believer who believes in Jesus Christ has received the benefit and the blessing of his grace, mercy, forgiveness, and have received his righteousness. We get that. So there are many Christians that have received the righteousness of God, but for one reason or another, they wind up like Lot, who was a righteous man, going into Sodom and Gomorrah, cooperating with the authorities, cooperating with the culture of that day, yet because they know Yahweh being vexed every day by the filthy conduct all around them. However, there is another level of righteousness that Abraham was walking in at the same time. Abraham was so caught up in the purposes of God that he didn't care where he lived. So uh, Lot went into Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham was on the mountain entertaining angels. I got a word for someone today. He was entertaining angels that were declaring the purposes of God. And Abraham continued to walk in that high place in the mountains right on by when he was viewing from afar the smoke coming up out of Sodom and Gomorrah where a righteous man was living and escaped by the skin of his teeth. There may be some people escaping by the skin of their teeth, but there is a level of righteousness. There are those who are walking in their high place with God that these things are not going to touch them at all. But the world will become a very difficult place for the elect of God to live in, the righteous to live in. However, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we have received a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. We have a kingdom that will not be moved. We have built our lives upon the rock, so when the storms of life come, we will still be standing for those who hear and obey the word of God. That's it. You can have confidence and trust when you obey the word of God, the entirety of the new covenant, reading it, studying it, doing it, obeying it. And it's a covenant that deals with the inside out. The new covenant is not so much external, it's internal. If a man looks upon a woman and lusts after her in his heart, he's committed adultery. Come on, it's, it's, it's criticisms, it's offenses, it's fears, it's pride, it's all these things that come from within the heart. The new covenant is all about the internal parts. So you could say you're a Christian externally all we want to, but if we're walking around with internal problems, watch out. Got to walk up here in the faith realm, knowing that Christ has totally dealt a beautiful blessing to your life. So I, the final thing I wrote in this article was the, the description of collapse. Now, if this is going to happen between October and December at the end of 2022, uh, collapse just means to fall down, to give way, to fall down and become unconscious. That's a collapse. To fail suddenly and completely. A breakdown, disintegrate, to lose force and significance. Do you know that during the three and a half years of the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist will overcome the saints? They'll have no significance. They'll have no ability to overcome anything. That's in your Bible, too. The collapse is coming. It's talking about breakdown and ruin. Now, what I finalized in my writing when I preached it on December 11th was remember where we began in this. 
The day star that is rising in our hearts will guide our path to right places within the kingdom of Christ. So are there Goshens? You bet there are. Are there cities of refuge? You bet there are. Will there be provision? Will there's famine in the land? You bet there will. Will you have to depend on the world system to get your needs met? No, if you prepare properly. Okay? So you, you, if you're one of those righteous elect of God that, that walk in that, you will be led and guided, directed by God's spirit, and your needs will be taken care of. You do not have to be afraid. Uh, we are not going to be caught off guard if we pay attention to what we're hearing, seeing, and witnessing with our own eyes and ears and understanding with our hearts. 2 Peter 1.19 says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. This word may be light to some to get themselves prepared, seeing and witnessing with our own eyes. Okay, so until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. That's scripture. The day star is arising in your heart. Remember, there is an anointing for vitality, energy, and strength. If you're feeling weak, there's an anointing for that. Remember, there is a blessing that comes from being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. There's a blessing in being in the right place, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Come on. And then remember, there is oil for your lamp as a wise virgin. Be a wise virgin and prepare for what you have heard. There's a blessing and there is oil, the Holy Spirit for your lamp to be lit, that the day star will rise and will guide you as a wise virgin into the everlasting arms of Christ. And remember, do not allow your love to become overcome by fear. So with everything we're saying, everything we're seeing, everything we're hearing, I would say that probably the predominant view of what I've just shared I'd probably say in the 90% would probably be, well, we'll wait and see. And I'd probably say that some people are probably thinking, man, that's possible, and uh, maybe we should continue to prepare. And I'd say that a very small percentage of anybody that would ever listen to this um, would probably be in agreement, and because of the agreement, what they've already known, are ready to go. Very small percentage. So... Regardless, that's kind of what is happening with us today. The showdown is ready to come. The showdown of rods, of authorities, kingdoms, conflict. And this is what I had to share with you today. And so having said that, I'm going to get out of here. And if you have a question or comment about what you heard, you're welcome to call into the broadcast. If you are on the chat room, I'll see a few people out there today. Charlotte Gotch, Samuel Grimes, Melissa Fletcher, Dennis Fossilman, to all of you, good morning. God bless you. And um, we're sharing it on a platform that only God knows who or who will not be listening to what we're saying. But you have heard. You be the judge. And that's it. That's what I have for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I don't think there's anything else that we need to say right now. See you tomorrow. God bless.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.